Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Things are opening up around the country after months months of stay-at-home restrictions, but old COVID-19 is still out there. Worse yet, it's hitting hard in certain locations in the South and West and Midwest, for that matter, that were doing well earlier this year. And now with public schools about to resume this fall, debate is raging over whether or not our kids should go back to the classrooms. But here's the critical issue both for you and your kids. As you begin to get out of the house more often, how can you protect yourself and your family when social distancing no longer is possible or when social distancing and the wearing of masks in public aren't being observed by other folks? And here's some good news. My guest today, acclaimed author, surgeon, and pain expert, Dr. David Hanscom, is here to share concrete steps you can take to decrease your chances of becoming ill. He'll also talk about a a subject that inflicts so many of us and will be around long after the coronavirus pandemic, and that's chronic pain. This may be pain in your lower back, but it also can occur in other areas of your body. Not only can it destroy quality of of daily living, but the stress and anxiety that accompanies chronic pain can actually shorten your life. Did you know studies show that folks suffering from chronic stress die seven years earlier than the rest of us? And here's a shocker. Dr. Hanscom, a renowned spine surgeon for 30 years, has written a pioneering book informing readers how to overcome chronic pain, often without the need for surgery. And before I introduce him, here are some highlights of Dr. Hanscom's remarkable biography. He's developed a revolutionary new direct-your-own-care, or DOC, approach to treating chronic pain and has helped hundreds of patients live pain-free, most often without surgery. He offers a range of services for patients, practitioners, and healthcare organizations, including consulting, speaking, workshops, coaching, and advocacy. And he's been featured on Dr. Oz, NPR, CBS, ABC, and Fox News. And he's author of two acclaimed books, Back in Control, and Do You Really Need Spine Surgery? And hello, Dr. Hanscom. We are extremely honored to have you here with us today. Yep. Well, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be on your show. Well, let's begin with a topic that just won't go away, COVID-19. Can you please give us a few concrete steps we can take to lower our risk of contact, uh, contracting this awful disease? The problem with COVID-19 isn't getting the virus. I mean, it's basically a common cold virus. The problem, of course, is getting really sick with it. And what happens is that people die of what's called a cytokine storm. And cytokines are little proteins that turn on 
um, switches off and on in the body, the little proteins, and there's inflammatory cytokines and anti-inflammatory cytokines. What happens in COVID is that the inflammatory cytokines go out of control. You have excess inflammation. There's lots of fluid built up with inflammation, and your lungs fill up with fluid, and you literally drown. You suffocate. Hmm. So every person who dies from COVID, almost to the person, and I'm not seeing any studies saying otherwise, has risk factors such as being overweight, diabetes, um, cardiovascular disease, peripheral vascular disease, Every one of those conditions has elevated cytokines to start. The best way to protect yourself from cytokine storm is actually lower your cytokines before you get sick. So in other words, get in good health and good shape and take care of yourself, your overall health, before you uh, worry specifically about COVID-19. Correct. And the, the key issue here, I mean, all of a sudden we should eat better and exercise, et cetera, but for me personally, it's been extremely helpful to realize that when I, for instance, one of my recommendations is don't watch TV. Don't watch the news. And, and the <laughs> reason for that my is My TV that, just went out this morning, so I guess I won't be able good. to. <laughs> <laughs> right, but what happens is that the body responds to threat with inflammatory markers. In other words, threat can be thoughts, emotions, repressed threat, viruses, bacteria, trauma, a bully. Those are all threats. It's the same yeah. problem with chronic pain is that your body responds to a threat with a heightened sympathetic response. Yeah. So what happens is you use tools to calm down the sympathetic nervous system, immunity improves, inflammation drops, but also chronic pain drops. It's actually the same process for COVID as it is for chronic pain. Well, so here's let's take not watching. Oh. Yeah, so let's take watching the news. It's anxiety-producing, yeah. right? Amen. Remember, anxiety is, yeah, anxiety is a response to a threat. It's not the problem. In other words, anxiety is not the problem. Yeah. Anxiety is just a symptom of an elevated inflammatory response. Oh, I see. Yeah, so few people look at it that way. <laughs> well, it's interesting. The data has been around for 20 years. Actually, doctors don't either. But what yeah. happens... Anxiety, bipolar, depression, even schizophrenia are all inflammatory disorders. They are not primarily psychological. And the problem we've gotten into with chronic pain is anxiety actually is the pain. (laughs) And when I treat chronic pain, people have physical pain and they also have mental pain. The mental pain by far and away is the biggest problem because you can't escape it. Yeah. Well, this is a shocking statement. You tell us that uh, how our families can be harming to our health. <laughs> what can we do to uh, correct that? Do we isolate ourselves completely from our spouse and kids so we can minimize the no. threat? <laughs> no, here, here's the deal. And, and so people talk about stress management, correct? Yeah. But people forget this, this has been well documented. Also, the stress that's the most damaging is the stress that you can't control. Yeah. Right? Okay, That's so sure. what the process... Okay, so I wrote a book called Back in Control, A Surgeon's Roadmap Out of Chronic Pain. We just released an app this week called The Doc Journey. The website is backincontrol.com, one word, backincontrol.com. Yeah. And we've watched hundreds and hundreds of patients go to pain-free. It's a largely self-directed process. But the key is when you have threat, you can't avoid threat. Threat's part of life, yeah. but you can learn ways to process it to create safety. 
So stress isn't the problem, the COVID epidemic isn't the problem, the family is not the problem. They're actually the opportunity to learn the tools to calm down your nervous system. Because avoiding threat, repressing emotions, avoiding your family actually increases stress because you can't avoid them. Yeah. Yeah, that's so why there's process increased in, divorces right. during the COVID-19 pandemic when people have to be together all the time. <laughs> they, right. So but see, I guess the it goes one of two ways. Things get a lot better or they get a lot worse. <laughs> right. But it, there's a whole section, and this is probably a separate conversation, is that your families yeah. are your biggest triggers. Humans yeah. evolve through social connection. We have a strong need for social connection, but they're also your deepest triggers. Yeah. So it's actually a neurological trick that blows across, blows families apart because anytime you're anxious or angry, you've been triggered by something in the past. It has yeah. nothing to do with the present. So there's ways of processing your family triggers to actually calm yourself down. So as you learn to calm yourself down, again, not psychological, you can't talk this stuff out. What you learn to do is actually drop down the inflammatory markers. Oh, I see. Well, lots of folks presently are out of work uh, from the pandemic, either temporary layoff or permanently, and can insecurity over lack of income and rocky uh, finances trigger a harmful inflammation that increases your risk of deadly illness, not just COVID-19, but stroke or heart attack as well. And the problem is we can't eliminate our mortgage, utility, insurance, property taxes, and other ongoing expenses. So what can we do to lower the financial stress and calm ourselves down? Yeah, I mean, here's the paradox. So I want to deeply honor the people that are suffering. So remember, I said stress isn't the problem. It's the reaction to the stress. Yeah. But I do this. I do think that the stress of not having money to pay your bills, not having a roof over your head, or having food on your table those are stresses that is pretty hard to calm down with. Yeah, so I want to yeah. make sure that I understand it really clearly. So I say once you basically have those basics covered, then these tools are more relevant. That yeah. being said, you can do something or a fair amount to actually drop your stress chemicals to maintain your creativity to figure out, to figure out your options. So it's bad enough to be under that kind of stress, which I think is horrible. I feel very fortunate that right now I'm not under the kind of stress. Ten years yeah. ago, I probably would have been. So that's a horrible stress, and I still say that the tools are helpful. It allows you to think more clearly to solve the problem. But right now, yeah, this I think is what you have to do is problem. buy, quote, buy yourself temporary time to concentrate on those tools, rather than uh, right. you know panicking and running around <laughs> looking for any Correct. kind of a job or whatever. <laughs> right. So right now, you don't have a job. That's a huge problem. I get it. There's housing issues, all sorts of worries. So, again, what the tools do, they call somatic tools, reconnecting thoughts with physical sensations, and it drops down the inflammatory response. So it's bad enough to be out of work. I get it. I've been through that situation myself a couple times. And what happens is you just worry and you worry and you worry. And what happens paradoxically, it actually increases your chance of getting really sick with the COVID. Hmm. We also know pretty clearly that increased inflammation is associated with cancer. And so a lot of people in this kind of stress get sick. The data has been around for many, many years that stress kills people. Like you said before, people live on the average seven years shorter lifespan under chronic stress. So again, there's ways of processing it that aren't going to eliminate it, but can certainly help dramatically. 
Um, so, again, the book on the website gives you the background and the tools. Again, we released an app this week called thedoctorandy.com. It's very self-directed. What's nice about the process is that before you came under this much stress, you probably had anxiety. Everybody does. But we also find out that if you solve one set of stresses, your brain lands on something else to worry about. Remember, anxiety is designed to protect you. And I call it your personal brain scanner. That if something goes well, your brain simply lands on something else to worry about. Yeah, we seem to have a negative <laughs> priorities in our mind that keep bringing right. up other things that are threats. <laughs> right. So, but that's what the brain. Remember, that's what your brain is supposed to do. Remember, anxiety yeah. is a survival reaction. If you get yeah. rid of anxiety, you wouldn't survive. Yeah, that's the positive aspect of anxiety. But unfortunately, we worry Correct. so much about things we can't control and uh, things that won't right. go away. But we right. don't think about how we adopt to them and both uh, benefit ourselves and others as best we can. Right. Well, you're so a highly trained... Oops, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say you're a highly trained, prominent spine surgeon, or you were until you retired from that, and yet many uh, suffering from chronic back pain, you now recommend against surgery for many of those. You are not proceeding against all spine surgery, are you? Can you please describe instances where spine surgery remains the preferred option? I wrote a book called Do You Really Need Spine Surgery? And what it does, it breaks people into four groups, which I won't explain right now, yeah. but there's clear structural things that respond well to spine surgery. Yeah. However, when you do that surgery in the presence of a stressed nervous system, the results are all over the map. In fact, you can do the perfect operation in the face of a fired-up nervous system and increase the pain up to 40% of the time. Oh, wow. The problem is why I quit my practice was because of this. Probably 70% of surgery is done on normal spines for people's age. Oh, wow. And so at the same time as watching, so the problem is if you, have, if you have a failed back surgery, then your surgeon doesn't want to take care of you. Other surgeons won't take care of you. Physiatrists are overwhelmed. Primary care is overwhelmed. So not only is your pain worse, nobody wants to take care of you. I call it the surgical scrap heap. So by calming down your nervous system, the surgical results are phenomenal. There's many patients with surgical problems that cancel the surgery because the pain disappeared. But what you don't want, it makes no sense to actually operate on spines that there's nothing wrong. So what happened finally, I ran across a kid who was paralyzed by an operation he didn't need. But the last year of my practice, I just said, I'm done. I was seeing three to five patients every week. That were having surgeries either done or recommended on spines that didn't need it. At the same time, I was watching hundreds of patients go to pain free with a self directed process that costs hardly anything and obviously no risk. But people are going to pain free. It's not just about managing the pain, the pain disappears. Because again, as you calm down the body's stress response, the nerve conduction slows, the pain physically disappears. Well, let's talk about the role of the central nervous system in intensifying and prolonging chronic pain, even when there's no detectable structural damage to your spine. Or uh, let's, uh, how does the uh, central nervous system independently cause pain, and what are some steps we can take to uh, quiet a turbocharged uh, central nervous system? Well, well, first of all, I think that the mental threat 
is what starts the whole process. In other words, you can't escape your thoughts. You're continuously subjected to these thoughts. Your brain tries to suppress those. We all know when you try not to think about something, you think about it more. So you create these the more we tell ourselves not to, the more we do. <laughs> well, what happens, you create these circuits in your brain. In other words, your brain memorizes that pain. But with physical pain, it's the same problem. Remember, this is a programming problem. You have these physical pain impulses coming into the brain. We now know from neuroscience research that the brain memorizes those circuits in about six months. Hmm. Once the circuits are memorized, just like riding a bicycle, you act, they are permanent. You cannot get rid of these things. Hmm. So what happens, even though it might start out as an acute back injury, they now become memorized, and it's permanent. Hmm. So then the, more, then the more you try to fix these circuits, your attention's on the circuits, and you actually reinforce them. We also know that lack of sleep, for instance, in Israel, they did a major study showing that lack of sleep actually causes back pain. Oh, wow. Actually creates it. So, again, the first step in the process that I talk about is, number one, learn about pain. But second of all, get some sleep. Sleep is a huge factor in pain. You don't cope with it as well. A lack of sleep actually causes chronic back pain. So there's, this, there's an exercise called expressive writing. You simply write down your thoughts and tear them up. That's been documented in over a thousand research papers to increase student, increase student performance, athletic performance, decrease depression, anxiety, decreases rheumatoid arthritis, asthma, improves wound healing. Over a thousand research papers documents that it works. I had, 50, I had chronic pain myself for 15 years. The first thing that broke up the cycle was, was my accidentally running across expressive writing as an option. Within two weeks after I started, my pain started to disappear. That is the one beginning point with this doc journey that I talked about on the app is are the writing exercises. Yeah. And uh, give us uh, the four stages of your doc roadmap. I think they're fascinating. The first one, I always tell people, I'm going to pretend you're my patient for a second. So I say, look, yeah. you've had chronic pain for a long time. You've been searching for answers. Again, I personally was in chronic pain for over 15 years. So I, did, I say, look, just stop. We're going to do some homework. So I have people just take a deep breath. I say, look, look at my book. Look at the website. I'll see you back in two weeks. So that's the starting point. Hmm. They say, while you're doing that, start the expressive writing and then do some relaxation exercises. And that's stage one. I call it laying the foundation. Stage two is around anger. When people are trapped by pain, they're understandably extremely angry. Well, guess what? Your body's really fired up, your stress chemicals are way up, and you increase the pain. Yeah. There's a process of becoming aware of the anger and forgiveness combined with play. It actually starts dropping down the nervous system. So stage two is about anger and forgiveness and then switching over to play. Yeah, that's the fascinating. Hey, the more you talked about, I don't remember if it was you or someone else had, I, I guess it was one of your readers in your second book, you talked about a guy that had chronic pain in his foot. He was running in Hawaii, and he thought it was just the heat of Hawaii, but it continued and got worse on the mainland, and then it turned out it had something, something to do with anger that he had in his uh, mindset that was causing that. Oh, that was no, that was me. That oh, was that me. was That's you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my my anger came in all sorts of different forms. The biggest anger that a surgeon has is just perfectionism. And yeah. we're always being self-critical. That's not very nice, right? 
No. So, yeah, no, I uh, I disguised my anger beautifully through being a perfectionist, but it turned out I had an abusive childhood, I had all sorts of stuff. I never recognized anger as an issue. I was always, quote, just frustrated. Yeah. And what happens, um, I had 17 different physical symptoms from my fired up nervous system. I had migraine headaches, my ears were ringing, my feet were burning, my stomach was a mess, I had back pain, neck pain. I mean, I had 17 physical symptoms at the same time. Ooh. They're all gone. And the reason why there's so many different symptoms is because when your body chemistry is off, each organ system is going to respond in its own way. So my oh, ears don't ring, I don't have migraines, my feet don't burn, I have skin rashes that popped up, those are gone. Now, if I quit using the tools that I teach to my patients, guess what? When I quit doing my expressive writing in about two to three weeks, these, these little skin rashes pop up in the back of my wrist. Oh, that's interesting. So that's forgiveness and play. Then, then how do you step three, moving forward, what do you do to, uh, to move forward? On? Well, if you're trying to fix your pain, I mean, the, the reason the essence of solving pain is that you're literally programming your brain to change. In other words, your brain changes every second. It's called neuroplasticity. If you're trying to fix your pain, your tension's on the pain and you're reinforcing it. Stage three is just getting organized, learning organizational skills, creating a vision, what do you want your life to look like, and moving that direction with or without your pain. Yeah. Paradoxically, as you let go and move forward, you've changed your focus, and you're leaving the pain circuits behind. The pain circuits are permanent. As you use them less, they will atrophy. As you move towards your vision of what you want your life to look like, that's where your brain develops. Okay, and then what's for expanding your consci- uh, consciousness? How do we do that? Well, I remember when you have anxiety and frustration, you're always reacting, correct? Creativity disappears. The ultimate answer to chronic pain is, number one, regaining perspective. I call it the spiritual journey. Number yeah. two is um, giving back your attention on somebody else, not on you. Yeah, that's the third so thing crucial. Is play. Right. But remember, all those things change your focus, but also change your body's chemistry. And again, as your body, chemist- body chemistry changes from inflammatory markers to anti-inflammatory markers, yeah. your nerve conduction improves, the pain physically disappears. So when you yeah, about once your you abandon that be... feeling of victimhood and the fact that you're angry at your pain and your circumstances, then things start to get better. <laughs> well, it gets a little bit complicated in that you can never get rid of these things. In other words, anger is permanent, anxiety is permanent, they're necessary yeah. for survival. So, again, what you're doing, you're creating sort of an alternate nervous system. It's like the virtual yeah. desktop on a computer. So you're programming your brain to go wherever you want it to go. But I do want to make a comment. Your program is called Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Yeah. Okay, here's the problem. Remember, this is about repetition and programming. Yeah. As you practice any skill more and more, you become better at it. Anxiety is one of those. And a lot of times, you know, teens, 20s, people do okay. All of a sudden, 30, 35, 40, all of a sudden the anxiety starts to creep up. Yeah. And at some tipping point, people just start fighting and fighting and fighting anxiety and frustration. So instead of your life becoming more pleasurable, it becomes more and more of a survival mode. So what happens is that not only do people solve their chronic pain, they can thrive. Oh, so yeah. the last, I would say, 15 years for me, I've, um, you start, most of my patients that get better from chronic pain thrive at a level that they never have experienced before. 
So that's Conversely, really without the tools, by the time you hit 60, 70, 80 years old, you're just crushed by anxiety. And there's not much in between. You either can use the tools to get not only better but a lot better, or without some type of process to process anxiety. Remember, enduring it makes it worse because you're programming. Suppressing it makes it even worse. Unless you use some type of systematic approach to process, not solve, but to process anxiety and frustration, it'll continue to crush you. Yeah, that's for sure. And we certainly don't want the worst option. <laughs> well, right. where are your two books, Back in Control, and Do You Really Need Spine Surgery? Where's the best place for our listeners to uh, preview and purchase those books? I know they're really The books available. are available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And then the website is backincontrol.com. On the website, you'll see a link to the new app called thedocjourney.com, which is intended to help you feel. It's supposed to be it's an experiential journey. So it's one thing to learn about pain, but what we're trying to get people to do is learn to feel safe. Because you go through the experience of feeling safe, then your brain knows how to get back to that spot. When you're in chronic pain, you don't feel safe. I mean, yeah. you're being pummeled by these unpleasant impulses. You don't feel safe at all. And then nobody believes you. And it gets incredibly frustrating. So the app's intended to take you on a journey based on our workshops, which have been remarkably successful, pulling people out of pain quickly. And it's called thedocjourney.com, D-O-C, which stands for Direct Your Own Care. Yeah. And um, we're excited about it. It's going to be a very interesting um, situation. But we watch hundreds and hundreds of patients go to pain-free. Well, that's great. So they can get that app from your website, then backincontrol.com. Well, to conclude, I'd like to quote from a description on Amazon of Dr. Hanscom's initial book, Back in Control. There is no need to spend billions of dollars looking for a cure to chronic pain. The solutions have been known for decades, with many people breaking free from pain's grip. And Dr. Hanscom's book and now his new app provide the framework for you to understand the nature of chronic pain and allow you to find your own solution, of course, in consultation with your physician and care provider. But you are a unique human being, as he puts it. And so, with expert advice, you are the one person who can solve the challenge of eliminating once and for all your chronic pain. And remember, as Dr. Hanscom advises, the essence of solving both physical and mental pain is connecting to your own capacity to heal, which allows you to feel safe. And once you feel safe and are confident that you will overcome the pain, you will. And Dr. Hanson gives you back uh, the patient control over the method of treatment or eliminate, for eliminating or radically reducing your level of chronic pain with or without surgery and take it. <laughs> and thanks to me and Dr. Hanson, uh, Hanscom for joining us. Yeah, no, thank you. I really enjoyed this. This was great. Well, that was a most revealing discussion with David Hanscom, M.D. It's remarkable, yet scientifically proven, that worrying constantly over COVID-19, chronic pain, or any other potentially fatal disease not only increases your chances of contracting them, it doesn't help at all. But shortly before I spoke with Dr. Hanscom, I came across an article by Peggy Noonan in the August 8th edition of the Wall Street Journal titled, America is a Coalition of the Worried. 
<laughs> yes, we as American citizens have lots to worry about. But I thought it would be interesting to go over Ms. Noonan's worry points and to identify which ones are worthy of our constant attention. And I identify those as worthy only when they are fairly certain to occur and when we can make contingency plans to prepare for them or those where we can, along with a coalition of friends and allies, have potential to prevent their happening or at least lessen the impact and also help rebound and alleviate suffering should they actually occur. It's never a good idea to totally ignore potential future disasters, but the best we can do in advance is to have in place potential contingency plans, uh, plans we can implement should the worst happen, and then move on. And it's far better to create uh, creatively seek realistic solutions where we can have an impact. Let's look at some of the common worries and fears that Americans are most concerned about and whether or not they are worthy of our constant attention and anxiety. And from Ms. Noonan's article, here they are. Well, without question, the most common worry every one of us has is that we or a loved one will contract COVID-19 and suffer, perhaps even die from the disease. And the obvious solution to this is to follow CDC and local guidelines to minimize your exposure and let's keep the politics out of it for once. Uh, social distancing, avoiding large gatherings, and wear a mask in indoor public places and stop, wi stop watching and fretting, uh, fretting over the news, 24-7 news, because it always sounds worse uh, when you keep listening to it and watching it. But as Dr. Hanscom described, worrying 24-7 about the personal threat of COVID-19 only increases your chances of catching it or some other potentially fatal disease. And let's examine uh, some of the other things Ms. Noonan tells us Americans are worried about. As the article states, uh, we're not worried about regular things. It's about big and essential things. It's a whole order of a new order of anxiety. <laughs> and uh, here are some of the biggest collective fears. Well, we're in the middle. Perhaps nobody knows how long uh, of a worldwide pandemic. It might just be the beginning. Who knows? A historic health threat that for everyone has been without precedent. And we may be headed for a severe extended economic recession, including widespread job loss, uh, chaos, and lack of income for an extended period, a situation unprecedented in human history, at least modern history. And what is the future of our big cities? Higher crime, violent protests, slashing of police budgets. It's beginning to feel like nobody's really in charge. And we, when we resume commuting to the city this fall, what can we expect? And how will we educate our kids? Are they going to have school? Are the kids going to be back at school? How will that work? And if school's open, what might the kids catch and bring home? And then there's the worry, will my corporate job or my small business survive? Will it really open up again as an office, factory, a store, a way of working? And if it does, will they still need me at the same level of compensation? Here's a common one. If schools do not reopen or reopen only part-time, who will take care of and uh, 
educate my kids while I attempt to earn a living, either at my work site or remotely from home. It's not an easy uh, challenge, is it? And uh, the next one, what future, with future earnings uh, uncertain at best, how will I pay my mortgage and put food on the table? My biggest immediate worry, perhaps, eviction or foreclosure. Are we about to be hit by a second coronavirus wave this fall, which, when combined with the annual flu, will be far worse than last spring and will send America into social chaos and deep depression? Then there's politics. Like so many, are you convinced that if the other party wins in November, life in America will cease to exist as we know it? Washington will drain our financial assets and take away our freedom and give it to someone else. After a profound absence from on-site jobs and relationships, lots of folks feel their livelihood and opportunity slipping away. Poof! never to return. Worst of all, we no longer feel like we're in control of our own destiny. There are warning signs all around. Sports canceled or played in empty stadiums or arenas, apparel firms going under, restaurants closing for good, malls empty, and what happens next? And as a final uh, worry, in the 2020 presidential election, we have a 75-year-old incumbent running against a 77-year-old challenger. Are either of these two senior citizens capable of leading America back from the brink? Are we comfortable turning leadership of either uh, to either of these two elderly gentlemen? And hey, what about China and Russia? What are they up to? Well, just like you, I worry about these threats, but there is one thing all of us can do, focus our concern on immediate local issues over which you have at least some control, call upon your own inner magnificence, imagine solutions that will benefit not just you, but your loved ones, friends and neighbors, and even strangers as well, and don't try to solve everything all by yourself alone. I suggest that you should pray and seek guidance and assistance from God, the universal presence, whatever you call the uh, the infinite one, who is not some old guy with a beard far away from us. God is all around us, and the connection to God is inside every one of us. And then next, reach out to folks around you, propose working together for the common good and to make life better for an entire neighborhood and community, not to mention the world in general. And finally, every day, meditate and visualize a future free of COVID-19 and all the current social unrest. Not just a return to the past, but a win-win situation whereby sharing sacrifice, everyone wins. Before too long, you'll be so busy seeking creative solutions, both for yourself and for others, that you'll have little, if any, time left over for worry. And it may sound pie in the sky, but visualizing, then joining with others to launch initiatives does work wonders. And heck, there's nothing wrong with being old so long as you're consulting and including the young, because we're all in this together. It's not us versus them. And that's our program for today. Tune in next week when we'll explore further the path to your very own inner magnificence. Now ease up and stay safe. 
Have a joyful day. Bye for now. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 